0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: It's a Wednesday and we will never have enough time to get to what happened today. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. It's ESPN radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests are going to join us to try to walk us through all this on the Goodyear hotline. This is not your usual Wednesday where you can't find anything to talk about. In fact, there's no way we can talk about everything. So let me just catch you up in case you missed it. It's opening night in the NHL. It's draft night in the NWSL. The Broncos hired a new GM. Zion Williamson is out. He's entered COVID protocols. The Bears are keeping pace and nagging and apparently want to be mediocre forever. They discovered that Nicole Kidman will be playing the part of Lucille Ball in an upcoming movie. A warthog drawing is believed to be the oldest drawing of an animal ever discovered. Twenty thousand National Guard members are going to DC for the inauguration, and they're sleeping on the floor of the Capitol, around which they had to build a seven foot non-scalable wall in case there was another insurrection. The president got impeached again. Oh, and by the the way james harden is on the nets yeah so fitz about this warthog it's on a cave wall Forty-five thousand years ago is when they think it was painted and i think we should spend the show probably getting into that
2: did the warthog like you sure was a warthog and not sonic the hedgehog like i really wanted to be sonic the hedgehog warthog's not as cute as sonic
1: even better the actual term used in the story is a warty pig (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, a warty
1: pig. Oh. I've never heard of it before. And I'm in love because I, I, I love a warthog uh, and, and I love a pig. A warty pig. I've never even heard of it. Uh, Speaking of fat people, uh, th- oh, I, I shouldn't body shame. Go ahead. Things got weird, didn't they? All right, let's catch you up on the story of the day. James Harden went to the Nets in a massive deal that we will try to dissect all the pieces of. But if you're wondering how it came to this and why it came to this today... What ha- happened was, last night, the Rockets lost to the Lakers. And, well, it was in the post-game presser, but then it was also in today's media session. Listen, I'm just going to let James Harden and John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins explain it to you.
0: Which is not good enough. Uh, obviously, chemistry, talent-wise, I love this city. I literally have done everything that I can. I mean, this, this situation is, is, is crazy. You know, it's something that... I don't think it can be fixed.
3: When we have certain guys in the mix that don't want to buy in all this one, it's going to be hard to do anything special, do anything good
4: as a basketball team. I've been on those teams. Come on, man. You want to jump off the cliff off of nine games? There's a lot of basketball still be played. The disrespect started way before, you know, any interview. Um, Just the approach to training camp, uh,
0: showing up the way he did, uh, the antics off the court. I mean, the disrespect started way before. So, uh, this isn't something that, you know, all of a sudden happened, you know, last night. But with that being said, like I said, this is the nasty
4: part of the business. So, uh, it is what it is.
1: So, Fitz... Your reaction to this happening so quickly, because a lot of people saw what happened last night and said, "Okay, this is going to move fast." But most said, "At least you wait till February six, because that's you know roster expansion and, and you know you sort of lift some of the restrictions on being able to, to to move around players." Some people said, "You wait till even later, so you can really get them to get the best deal." And instead, it's today.
2: Well, and and I think this is one of the maddening things for a lot of people is everybody wants to give a winner and a loser anytime a trade happens. It could take years to know the winner and loser in this because Houston got mostly draft capital, right? They get four first-round picks and four pick swaps. So Houston's basically going in long play. They're hoping that short play, that they've got enough talent in there to remain competitive and, most importantly, relevant. But then they're also going long play on the rebuild. So for Houston, it's going to take a long time to figure out what they got. For Brooklyn, I'm going to continue to say the same thing that I've said to everybody about Harden. We've seen that at some point Harden will demand that things be built a certain way He'll, be, he'll demand that things are run a certain way, and what do you get in return for that? I don't believe today that the Brooklyn Nets are better than the Los Angeles Lakers. So the Brooklyn Nets just gave up everything they have towards moving for the future to get a player that even when you give him everything he wants, it doesn't win you a championship. So while it may continue to make Brooklyn interesting to talk about, I don't know how it actually makes them better than the best team in the league.
1: They might be better, it's because of the offensive explosion. I'm still trying to figure out defensively how this team keeps up with a team like the Lakers. And to your point, James Harden has not proven that he is a championship player. He said it himself, I've done everything I can for this city. That did not include winning a title. That did not include taking the Rockets to the finals, right? This is a guy who at one point was paired with new teammate Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and couldn't get it done. This is a guy who repeatedly demanded that the Rockets get what he wanted, whether that was a teammate that he wanted or a teammate he wanted to get rid of. Whether that was, this is when I want to practice and how and where and how hard. This guy got everything he asked for, so he has no one to blame but himself. And very often, in very dramatic and unceremonious, if those can happen at the same time, fashion, he failed at the highest level in the most important games with elimination on the line where he just didn't show up. So the fact that he is willing to say in the same sentence, basically, I love this city, but I've done everything I can. I'm willing to disrespect my teammates, my new coach, the city that I claim to love by forcing my way out to the point where I have teammates having to call me out in the media. And you're sending that to an already fragile Nets team that does not know what Kyrie Irving is doing or when he'll be back and that is dependent on Kevin Durant, a guy who thus far looks like the old KD from pre-injury but is still being tasked with a whole lot for a guy that has never been the leader on a team. He's always been among them and is coming off an Achilles surgery. This could be an absolute disaster. It's going to be high drama and must-watch no matter what
2: you know i was I was hanging out earlier today with uh Michael and uh, Philly. We were talking about the the possibility at the time that uh, the Sixers were looking at acquiring Harden and there were rumors earlier in the day that it was going to be the Sixers and Simmons and uh, a big trade involved that way and, and I've seen some speculation today that maybe Brooklyn did this to make sure that the Sixers don't get ahead of them but I, I keep looking at this and saying what did you get if you're, if you're Brooklyn and you're Kevin Durant like some things haven't changed in our logic do you think and this was something said months ago do you really think that Kevin Durant spent the last year working his tail off at rehab to get the opportunity to stand around while Harden shoots like that's not real. So we just suddenly presume that everybody's going to come together, it's going to be kumbaya by the campfire, like I can't do that. I can't put those pieces together and understand how they feel like those guys even on the court, even in, with the way that they they have played offensively, how are they going to mesh together? I don't think there's an easy answer to this. And what's your best case scenario if you're Brooklyn? So far things have not gone well. They haven't gone well enough for what everybody expected for Brooklyn early in the season. And I get that at some point you look around and say, "Maybe things are fragile and weird with Kyrie, and you've got to capitalize on your window while it's open. But doing that, capitalizing on your window while it's open, still means that you have to put the right players together. So now you've got a coaching staff that's looking around saying, I have no idea how to get control. You've got more egos in the room than you've ever had before, and you've got to adjust on the fly to figuring out how to get a bunch of superstars to play together that, uh, for Harden at least, at his best with his best scenario, wasn't good enough to win a championship. So I don't understand the move in a ton of different ways for Brooklyn.
1: Well, and interestingly, this is a move that we sort of asked about when we first realized that James Harden was very serious about forcing his way out. And not only did we all wonder the same thing you're wondering now, how is there enough balls to go around and how many shots can be taken by each dude and who's going to sort of be the alpha. Um, but also, you know, that was that was a, a suggestion that most people said that Brooklyn Nets don't need this and don't want it. Well, the difference now is they don't know what they're getting from Kyrie Irving. They don't know when he's going to be there and they don't know how dedicated he is to basketball. So the the, the sort of tenuousness of this situation is not just potential locker room drama, is not just is James Harden in shape, is not just defensively who's the leader of this team. It's also who's going to be there and when and what is the expectation for who's in charge? Is it Steve Nash? Is it Kyrie when he shows up? Is it James Harden now? Is it Katie? Is it the owners? Is it the GM? Who is running this team? That's going to be interesting to watch. It's ESPN and Radio. And presented. quickly, Sarah,
2: yep. I will say to that one other thing with Durant. Everybody thought he went to Brooklyn because he was going to make his own legacy. Is this the way that gets done? Mm. And if not, how's he going to feel about all of it? I, this is very complicated for Brooklyn.
1: Yeah, and everybody's telling me, you know, Durant clearly cleared this. These are his guys. He wants to be with them. That's fine and well. Will he want to be with them three months from now? When they can't get a hold of Kyrie and James Harden is dribbling 18, 11 times before every shot. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you could save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. We're whining about this when we should be celebrating the content. I mean, the content is going to be marvelous. But the whining did work for James Harden. Will it actually work for the Nets, what the result was? We'll get into it next on Spanning Fits.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: It's just been announced that all Brooklyn Nets games will run at 11 a.m. Central, along with the other soap operas. <laughs> uh, oh, that's a good line. I definitely stole it from someone in my menchie's. Shout out to whoever that was. In the midst of the flurry of activity today, I did not save your name, but yeah. Uh, and and to somebody else's <laughs> very wise point, um, you know, uh, this is this is a. Uh, now every single one of the three uh, people that exist in Brooklyn are all on the same team. Uh, they got the really skinny guy. They got the uh, the guy with the big beard. And then they got the guy who's always talking to you about astrological signs. Uh, oh, so my God. That's well they're, too. They're set. Uh, that was a paraphrasing. Like, I think the uh, the tweeter nailed it better than that. But, yeah, the focus will be on the Brooklyn Nets, Harden, Irving, maybe, who knows, and Kevin Durant. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80, uh, it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And the aspect of this that I want to get into fits is the whining that worked. This is different than what we saw from Anthony Davis. This is different than what we saw from even Kobe back in the day when they ended up making him stick around, and his team had a, had a good run that year that he wanted out. This is different from most of the sabotaging we've seen from players who want out of their of their current. Situation In part because of just the level of stardom and talent that James Harden has, but also because of it, it came down to him saying into a microphone after a game, we're not good enough. We're not talented enough. I can't do anything more. This is over. And his teammates having to say like this guy's we can't play with him. Right. And so the problem is, is that it worked. He ends up going to the best team in the East, assuming that Kyrie Irving, Irving ever comes back and applies himself to basketball and the Rockets, thankfully, get a whole bunch out of this deal. But like you mentioned before, yet to be seen years from now, if they ever really get back what they had in a guy that they had given everything he asked for years.
2: It's a dangerous precedent when you give in. And that's the the negative to me. The biggest negative of everything done here is that what Houston just did is they gave in. Houston gave in to a player that decided he simply didn't want to honor his contract anymore and everybody that's listened to you or I anywhere knows that we are big on players rights. I At, at the end of the day, anytime a player can go out and affect their destiny and get paid, I usually root for that. That is a uh, something that I'll never fault somebody for getting their cash and I'll never fault somebody for going out there and understanding their power as an individual brand. At some point though, the, the Houston Rockets have to look at it and say, hey, I want to respect you and I want you to feel good about being here, but you also have a contract. So if you're going to go anywhere it better make me better for everybody that sits in those seats for everybody that spends money on rockets gear for everybody that gives up their time constantly to watch these games if you're a rockets fan what you just got is the maybe the possibility in the future you could be better but for today you have no assurance of any of that and your team just got demonstrably worse so what do you do and how do you rebound through that houston gave in and that's a dangerous precedent to allow for players to come in and simply say, "You know what? I don't care what I signed. I just don't want to be here anymore." I don't love it when teams have all control in the NFL. I don't love it when players have all control in the NBA. Neither side of it is right. Somewhere at some point, everybody has to start working together, and that is not happening in this in this situation.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And a lot of people get down on me when I say this. I think player empowerment is great. I think the athletes should be in charge of where they want to play and how they use your talents, but only to a point. Because how do you expect a team to be run if they make decisions based on a contract that you signed and they say, OK, well, let's start with the top. We know we've got James Harden for three years plus an option. Oh, oh, I guess we don't. I guess we have him for a year and nine games before he decides that that deal that I signed for three years and the money that I wanted and the security that I wanted, I changed my mind. And now I'm blowing up this whole team, the teammates who signed because they thought they were playing with me. The coach who took over because they thought they were coaching me. The GM who made all the decisions behind the scenes and for the future based on me, the superstar, that gets to decide when we practice and whether I want to show up and what I want to say and do. That's why this is a problem. Not because I don't want the players to make tons of money. I am not begrudging NBA players for the amount that they make because that's what the product is worth. And if they're not making it, it's the even richer owners who are. It's the idea that at some point you have accountability to the contract you signed to your players, to your employer, everything else. It's the same problem I'm having with Kyrie Irving right now. And I'm worried about the monsters that have been made of something that LeBron started and was good, which was, let me choose where I want to go. And let me, you know, with LeBron, what I liked that he used to do in Cleveland was he would just sign a year plus, right? I'm going to be with you for that year. And then I'm going to see if the moves that you're making and the decisions that you're making are pleasing to me. And if I'll pick up my option and I'll be back. Instead of let me sign a big contract and if I get injured or I suck you still got to pay me to the end of it. But if I feel like leaving, I get to blow it up. And in this case, you're right. It sets a nasty precedent and it also is just be an adult. You want us to treat you like an adult, Kyrie, James, show up for work. Don't tank for a team that's paying you. Don't let down your teammates and your coach. This stuff does not fly with me, so you want to come in my menchies and defend James Harden because he can score a bunch of points. That is not a guy I want on my team. And putting them together, oh boy, is that going to be tough to pull off. I mean, this is,
2: uh, in my mind, this is so much, like I said earlier, it's like Goldilocks, right? Like, the NFL's on one side of it, where nothing's guaranteed, and teams can wrong players in mm-hmm. every turn with no recourse. That's wrong. Conversely, you've got the other side of Goldilocks, where now, it feels like, what's the point? If you're Brooklyn, you just traded for somebody that, on the heels of a new contract, decided he didn't want to be there, and you've already got somebody else that isn't coming into work. Like, what the hell are you doing? How do you know in a year, they won't just turn around and be like, ah, this isn't working for me, and do it to you again? Like, at some point, you're... You're now you're now in bed with the cheater. So what are you going to do and how do you expect them to change in this relationship? Because I don't see any way that that happens.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Everyone will say, oh, well, once he's happy, it's going to be different. He settles and he's with his boys now. He's always been with his boys. He's literally been like, hey, Houston, grab that guy for me. Grab that guy for me. And it, it, it hasn't sucked. Now, the other issue here. To, to your point beyond, you know, how is this going to work out personality-wise, is how much did you just give up for a guy who you have no guarantee how long he'll stick around? How long Kyrie will be there? How long KD will be there? And now how long you have Harden? ESPN NBA reporter Tim McMahon was on with Chanae Angola Jr. and talked about the end of this could be ugly.
3: They went all in. They, they pounced on that opportunity. Uh, and look, this could be painful on, on the backside. When you're talking about completely unprotected for Picks plus four unprotected draft swaps there's a there's a chance that this could be painful for the Nets long after Durant and Harden's prime is over but they've got a championship window now and then they're going to try to seize that opportunity
1: so Fitz I'm not someone who usually says this but what do you need to have happen with this guy this guy and this team now to make it worth everything you sacrifice it's it's title or nothing it's probably multiple titles or nothing.
2: Yeah, it's, it's title and lasting brand relevance or nothing. Like, it, mm-hmm. you're right. It's not just one title. It's can you win a title and make the Brooklyn Nets so in the front of the conscious of NBA heads that suddenly the Nets become a lasting brand? Because you just gave up your future. So you've got to win enough titles to sustain while you stink and rebuild at some point.
1: And they already kind of had that, assuming that Kyrie was coming back. They already had enough superpower to compete and be relevant. Did they put themselves over the top or did they fall into the trap that we've seen in the past sometimes in the NBA where they think talent, regardless of chemistry or style, is all you need? We're going to find out for sure with this experiment, whether chemistry matters, defense, style of play, or if you just put three superstars in there and think that you got enough. Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Coming up, a longtime NBA insider stops by to give his take on the James Harden deal. What does it mean for the Rockets? What does it mean for the Nets? And how about those auxiliary teams we haven't even mentioned yet that had to chime in on this to make it work? It's next, ESPN Radio.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: Spain and Fitz on
2: ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Of course, all of our guests join us. On the Goodyear Hotline, I can't imagine what we're talking about tonight. Nothing big, no big news. And in- oh wait, James Harden is now Brooklyn net in a mega deal that, uh, to throw myself under the bus, took me probably fifteen times to read to understand exactly who was going where. It very still not there,
1: it. still I not mean, there.
2: It is it is alarming how difficult NBA trades are at times. So let's get a little bit of insight on it. We're joined by Tom Havistro, host of the Tom Havistro Show uh, podcast, National NBA Insider. Tom, as always, appreciate your, your guidance, your insight, and your time on all this. So uh, we'll start with the very basics. When you looked at the trade and what was given up, well, what's your reaction from the Brooklyn Nets side to acquiring uh, James Harden?
5: Man, the Nets are going to need a lot more Nets because those, those Nets are going to be burning every single night with how many baskets are going to be made in those Brooklyn <laughs> Nets games because there's no defense wh- whatsoever on this roster. Brooklyn is going to score a billion points, and they're going to give up another billion points because they just traded their best defensive player in Jared Allen, who's 22 years old, DeAndre Jordan, big name, but he is way over the hill. And so the Brooklyn Nets are betting that Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant are, in the purest sense of the word, going to outscore opponents because, I, I mean, this is a top-five offense right now, even without knowing where Kyrie Irving is or where his mind is at this point. James Harden and Kevin Durant and, um, and that, that core is good enough to be a top-five offense with those two former MVPs. But defensively, they're going to be a bottom-five defense this year. At least they're tracking to be right now And it's a really exciting trade for for Brooklyn Nets fans. Uh, You get two former MVPs playing together with Kyrie Irving at some point, maybe. But I really do believe that this is not the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. I think that's Philly still. And I think they got a ways to go before they, they compete at the highest levels defensively.
1: Tom, Fitz buried the league. The lead there's a, a forty five thousand year old warty pig painted on a cave. And is a warty pig the same as a warthog? I think is the most important question.
5: what is a warty pig like? All right, all right. So you're not an pig? expert is like on that. A small pig? Okay.
1: You're not an expert on that. So let me ask you the other big question of the day. <laughs> then, um, who won this trade? The Pacers or the Cavs?
5: <laughs> um, I'm going to go with the Cavs. Uh, okay, good. they get a really I just want to get those player, out of the way. That's yeah. all I have to say about that. I just yeah. want
1: to make sure we hit the big stuff first. Okay, so anyway, the Harden <laughs> news is also intriguing. Um to your point about defensively, um I think people are jumping ahead because of the the offense obviously. Um are there players that have not gotten as much run that, if they have the offensive firepower of these three guys, they can stand to have them on the court with them, even if they're not offensively helpful? That that could take over some of that defensive load, or did they just not have defensive guys on this roster that can do it?
5: They, they just don't. I mean, they have three roster spots open at this point, but you're going to be picking off the scrap heaps to fill those uh, fill those spots. I mean, you're looking at the only center on the roster is Jared. I mean, uh, uh, DeAndre Jordan. And then you're looking at Jeff Green is going to be the backup center. Those two guys were good five years ago, but not anymore. And so I think when you're, um, when you're Sean Marks, you have to, the GM for the Brooklyn Nets, you have to figure out a way maybe to upgrade defensively because as constructed, they're not going to compete, in my opinion, with the Philadelphia 76ers in a 77 game series or the Milwaukee Bucks. They're not there yet. We know the Bucks and the Sixers can play high level uh, basketball on both ends of the floor, but you're looking at, the Seth Curry addition to uh, to the Sixers roster has really opened things up for uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. The four-man lineup with Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Seth Curry have the best plus-minus in the NBA, uh, plus 88 when they're on the floor. Great defense, great offense, and so far... What I see from the Brooklyn Nets is just an incredibly imbalanced, lopsided roster. And they're going to score a ton of points. But in this, in this day and age, you need guys like Anthony Davis who play both ends of the floor. And what they just acquired in James Harden is, the, is one of the most corrosive defenders in the NBA, who, by the way, is playing nothing like he's capable of on the offensive, on the offensive end. So you better hope that that's just a slump and that's not just a, an indication of where his body is and where he is at this, at this stage of his career.
2: We're talking to Tom Haverstow, host of the Tom Haverstow podcast, also National NBA, NBA, NBA Insider, easy for me to say. Tom, uh, obviously what we now have is a situation where Brooklyn leveraged their future, giving up four pa- uh, first-round picks and also four pick swaps. And in return, they get two guys now on their roster, in Kyrie Irving and James Harden, that have both simply decided at times that they don't want to play for a franchise anymore. If you're in Brooklyn, why do you believe that Harden or Kyrie are going to continue to play for the franchise if they're ever not happy?
5: Yeah, it's a great question, especially when you consider that James Harden is at his best when he's, you know, he knows he's the number one guy. And you look at the past few years when James Harden uh, kind of burns out his his star teammates. You look at Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Dwight Howard. They've tried all three of those guys um, at the peak of their careers. And yet you're seeing they want out, or at least James Harden doesn't want to play with another star who takes the ball out of his hands. And you're seeing, That Yes, James Harden is an amazing scorer, but it takes a lot of energy to watch him just Mm -hmm. dribble the ball, dribble the air out of the ball, uh, and it's not a lot of fun to do that. So Mm -hmm. when you look at Kyrie Irving, who's, I mean, say what you want about his offensive skills, he is not a reliable teammate anymore, and you consider Kevin Durant coming off an Achilles injury, which is, you know, one of the most devastating injuries, I, I don't care how good he looks right now. And it's going to be amazing to see how he does for over an 80 game season and what that does for his long-term abilities. Cause Kyrie Irving, James Harden and, and Kevin Durant can all be uh, free agents after next season. So mm. then not just the four mm-hmm. uh, draft picks and three pick swaps there, they are mortgaging their future with maybe just a season and a half of this core trio. Now, a lot can happen between now and then, but I'm just saying, this is a big-time bet uh, by Sean Marks that this this coaching staff, Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni, can really put it together, a championship team, in a year's time.
1: Tom Haberstroh with us here on Spain & Fitz. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain & Fitz podcast and, of course, listen to the Tom Haber Show podcast. Um, we also have to account for the year that they gave up when they first got them, knowing that Kevin wouldn't play, Kyrie was in and out, right? They sacrificed a year before this season even happened at added- it that whatever happens after the fact because of everything they just had to give away tom if you had to guess chemistry wise the fragility that we know about all these guys including the fact that right now at this moment we keep including Kyrie, but we have no idea where his brain is at and what he wants to do with basketball how do you see these guys working together or not
5: I'm going to bet against them working together um, from what we've seen with Kyrie Irving, James Harden and Kevin Durant and their abilities to coexist with other stars. I know Kevin Durant did a great job winning titles with Golden State, but we haven't seen it with Kyrie and Well, uh, and Kevin and James Durant. To, to
1: be fair, that's Steph Curry saying, I'm willing to change my game to make our team better. That didn't take much from KD except to want to win. Right.
5: Right and what what we're seeing with with James Harden is you know he wants to be the guy but when it's his team this year in Houston he didn't want to be there he said I, the team isn't good enough and that's disrespectful that blew up that locker room and I think when you look at what his body looks like coming into this season without a preseason you know training regimen His numbers are way down. Assists are down. His three-point shooting is off. And he had a great season debut. And I know people have, uh, you know, very, very seared first impressions this season that a lot of people forget how he was after that season debut. He hasn't been good. He hasn't. And so, look, if you're a Nets fan, you're excited. This is really cool. You have a quote-unquote big three in Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, but there's only one ball to go around, and they do not have a Rudy Gobert back there, or an Anthony Davis. And in today's day and age, you need two-way players to win at the highest level. Guys like Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, um, you know Draymond Green for all his three-point shooting, you know people get all over that. This guy's the, the best passing big man outside of Nikola Jokic. So you need two-way players to do it at the top of the NBA. And right now, I think Kevin Durant might be the only two-dimensional player they have. On that roster.
2: You guys can check out the Tom Habershow Show podcast, uh, obviously. And Tom, I know we were going to get into all of the uh, the greatness that this means for the Cavs and Pacers, but we'll have to save that uh-huh. for another uh-huh. time, my friend. Thanks that. so much for the insight. And the Warty we Pigs. Appreciate. And the Warty Pigs, yeah. Good yeah, luck. I got to read on. up
5: on this Warty Pig
1: thing. <laughs> Thanks for, so much for having me on, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Tom.
2: I'm still shook by the Warty Pig. It it does sound cuter than a warthog and cuter than a pig, and, and I'm a fan Until of Until you find out
1: that it has a Warty face and horns.
2: No, now it's all demon like. I don't know. I don't like so that. Sorry. i sorry. Like, I like my Warthogs more Disney like. All right. Spain and Fits brought to you by Goodyear, <laughs> helping you Oom-ba. discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Coming up, an NBA player made it clear he's not into the NBA's Titan COVID protocols. You'll hear what he had to say next. Strong statement uh, on Spain and Fits on ESPN Radio.
0: Spain and Fits, the podcast.
2: Spain and Fits on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fits. We'll get some more expertise. We've got a lot of guests that are going to be joining us tonight to break down everything you need to know about the mega trade today in the NBA. James Harden, now a Brooklyn Net, took a lot of teams and a lot of uh, picks to get it done. We'll keep breaking it down. But there's other stories in the NBA that are also sort of ruling the news cycle today. And, Sarah, one of them is something that you and I have been passionate about as we continue to hear players and how they deal with the restraints that the league is putting in place regarding COVID-19. Now, before we get into this, I want everybody to hear what George Hill had to say. Place for the Oklahoma City Thunder at this point uh, about the the restrictions. The league has new protocols in place which include, for example, not being able to leave your hotel when you're traveling. There are a ton of limitations on what they're expecting from players. And George Hill responded to those limitations when asked about it this way.
3: I mean, I'm a grown man, so I'm going to do what I want to do if I want to go see my family. I'm going to go see my family. They can't tell me I have to stay in a room. 24-7 if it's that serious then maybe we shouldn't be playing but you know it's life no one's going to be able to just cancel their whole life for the, for this game and uh that's how i think about it oh my
1: god oh my god all the things okay so if it's that serious it is it is that serious because 375,000 people have died uh it's life well it's not life if you're dead which is why the protocols are in place to prevent you and others from dying, then maybe we shouldn't be playing the game. Absolutely right. You probably shouldn't be. We should not be making concessions for sports that we are not making for other things for good reason. We're not still holding concerts because they're losing money. We're not still eating indoors at restaurants because they're losing money. We're not still sending people to schools and shops and traveling and air. We're not doing all that stuff the way we've always done it. Because we can't anymore safely, because it's decimating our population and our economy to make decisions without taking into account the pandemic. What we're doing with sports is frankly stupid and we shouldn't be doing it. The only way that we can make it make sense is if you do something like you did with the bubble, where you're not risking the current or future health of the players and coaches involved, where you're making a bunch of money back that you can then distribute to all the different employees from the league, and when you're not potentially contributing to the further spread of a virus that we have absolutely no control over, coming up on a year after it started here. So your insistence that they can't change your life... We've all changed our life. You might call it staying in a hotel 24-7. That's what we're all doing in our houses so that we can hopefully end this and get back to our normalcy. We're not doing that if we keep spreading it. And as much as you might not realize you're doing it, that NBA player that we saw at the club that everyone wants to give an excuse to, Because they're rich and they really like strip clubs or it was their sister's birthday or they needed to blow off some steam. You have no idea whether they got it and spread it or anybody else there got it and spread it. And then that chain of people that lasts forever until it finally ends. How many people die in there? How many people get sick? How many people overflow a hospital and take away care from somebody else who needs a bed? I mean, it's the fact that we're still having these conversations, Fitz, and I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm filibustering on the floor of the Senate or something right now. I'm just, I am just, I don't get how we're still having these conversations.
2: I think part of this comes down to the way that George Hill said it, too. Let's be clear. I mean, if his message is, man, if things are this bad, maybe we shouldn't be playing. Right. That's a fair conversation to have in and well, I'm itself. not willing and, to be
1: in a hotel 24-7 for this. Okay, let's have a conversation about it then. I mean,
2: you have to look at it at some point and say, "Okay." what everybody seems to do in society right now is is convince themselves, not everybody, many people, they convince themselves that they're living within the constraints the proper way and that all of their friends or other people they know in their lives are not. So it's it's hard sometimes to look in the mirror and, and chart out every action you made in the last two weeks and then ask yourself the tough question of if you've really done everything you possibly could in this process. I find in my life that a lot of people that are pointing the finger at other people for how they're acting are also within themselves, not following the very guidelines the way they should that being said it's the beginning of this statement that bothers me when he says i'm a grown man and they can't tell me what to do well actually they can because you're part of a collective bargaining association. You are part of a union, and your union represents your best interests. So, if you want to play in the NBA as part of the union, is the only way you can do it. you got to pay your dues. You have to be in it. You don't have a choice. Once you join that union, that union can now negotiate what you can or can't do. It's no different than a union coming in and saying, for example, you can't take steroids. For many years, a union coming in and saying we're going to uh, negotiate deals that won't let you smoke weed. At the end of the day, they can tell you exactly what to do because you signed up to be part of a collectively bargained process that allows that union to tell you how you can act and when you can act that way. If you don't like it, you don't have to play basketball. But as long as you are part of that, the NBA has every right, as long as your union agrees to it, to tell you what you can do and how you can do it. So it's factually incorrect and it's absolutely misplaced for George Hill at any point to tell anybody that he can't be told what to do. Yes, you in fact can. And what you've been told to do is play and live a certain way. If you can't live within those constraints, go get a different job.
1: Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, if you're listening to us and you're about to tell me like someone did last night that I am a communist (laughs) or that I uh, otherwise am am too aggressive about COVID or you're about to get into Jason's benches and say the same, I would highly recommend that you actually go remind yourself of the human capital that this has taken. I I would highly suggest you go do some reading on the news Look at some interviews with people who are in these hospitals. Look at these doctors and nurses. Talk to somebody who is having to tell people that their family member has died over and over and over again in the same day. Because the problem is we have so moved the goalposts on sports so as to start making excuses for why multimillionaires don't want to have to follow the same restrictions that everyone else is without the millions of dollars and the job security. We're all making incredible sacrifices. And I am never going to. Colin Coward, that guy's wearing a backwards hat and he's a spoiled millionaire take on this. I'm never going to have that. But at some point, we do have to say, how much are we empowering versus enabling? And if we don't ask that someone be willing to make sacrifices during a pandemic to keep doing their job just because we want to watch them play or because we—oh, I get it, though. I mean, you can't ask NBA players. You know, they're going to do what they want. You know, they they they're you know they're, they're, they got to have those, like, random girls off TikTok and Tinder in their room. I just sounded 100 years old, by the way, when I said that. I'm sure people still pick people up on TikTok, too, although I don't think it's the place to go. The point is, is that every time we make different rules— What we're saying is that to all the average people who have lost family members and not attended a funeral, to all the doctors and nurses that are stuck in hospitals that are overflowing, to someone who has a heart attack and doesn't get seen and cared for fast enough and then they pass away because COVID people are overflowing a hospital, you are not as important as this NBA player who doesn't want to sacrifice by staying in a hotel room instead of getting to go out wherever they want. And I'm not willing to say that. And, and anybody who does, I think you've really lost touch because we've been in this for so long. It really sucks, but we're all making sacrifices. And that response to me, and also the way this whole season has gone, where we're just expecting players to get sick and deal with it, uh, that's it's, it's beyond me. Uh,
2: at, at times, by the way, it's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, unless you're going to get in our Menchies, in which case it's Cheney and Gola Jr. You can yeah, that's just right. meet them. Uh, at, at some point, I am such a, a, a creature of sort of structure, and I'm, I'm willing to admit that. Part of my the madness to me in this entire process, and this just isn't about athletes, it's about everybody, is if you don't like the rules, work through the proper channels to change those rules as best that you possibly can. If you don't think that the constraints are right, then work through the proper channels to, con, to, to change those constraints. You don't get to turn around at some point in life and just say, well... I don't like those rules, so I'm simply not going to follow those rules. Like that's If we were kids doing that, our parents would turn around and say, you don't get that option. I don't know why suddenly as adults we feel like we can do that. It makes no sense to me. So uh, in this entire process, if a player wants to come out and say, man, it's not worth it to me to play the game right now with these constraints, you know what? I respect that, and I will respect the heck out of that player's decision. If a player says that this is too tough on my mental health, I respect that, and I Mm -hmm. respect their decision. If a player comes out and says, man, I'm not happy with with this, and I'm going to work with everybody else in the NBA to find out why we're doing it and see if we can get change made. I respect that. But if you're just going to say, I'm a grown-ass man and I get to do what, you're, what I want to do, I'm never going to respect that because that's right. not the way life works, Sarah.
1: And Fitz, it's the tone, and you're absolutely right. If it's a thoughtful exchange about how this is stressing me, I'm incapable of making these concessions without it taking a toll on me, or I would like to petition for a change, these are not the things that I'm going to approve. That's different. The attitude was You can't tell me what to do. And the answer is they can, and they're going to need to, or this season is not going to be completed.
2: Well, James Harden told the Rockets what to do, and they're now free of Harden. We'll head to Houston to get some reaction next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: It is a wild Wednesday here on Spain and Fitz. ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel eighty. You got Sarah Span, You got uh, Jason Fitz. I almost forgot your name. Sorry about that. It's been a long day. Uh, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Joining us now on the Goodyear Hotline, host of the No Layups Podcast, our go-to guy when things are going down in Houston, Raheel Ramzanali. Raheel, thanks for uh, hopping on with us.
3: Absolutely. How are you guys doing?
1: We're good I mean I'm better now that I found out that you once played taboo with the boom goes the dynamite guy uh, we got a quick story on that I once uh, I once played flag football with uh, the guy who played uh Josh baskin in big
3: man so this is the most random story ever I was going up to Waco Texas to go see one of my friends from college and uh, on the way there she was like hey we're gonna hang out with a bunch of my friends here and she works in uh in news so um, you know all, all the news reporters around town they're all hanged out and she's like Hey, I remember you watching that boom goes a dynamite clip in college. So that's how old I am. It's kind of age myself there, but I'm driving up there. And she's like, look, he's going to be there tonight. Do not bring it up. He hates talking about it. <laughs> and I'm like, hold on. You can't, this is one of the, this is like one of the earliest memes out there. Right. And I'm like, I have to ask him about it. And she's like, no, you can't. He gets really, he gets really aggressive about it too. He doesn't want to talk about it. Cause he was at that point trying to become a legit news right. reporter so i was like okay i won't ask him he's like and and then and she's like okay well we're gonna play taboo and hang out with uh with my friends like cool so my biggest fear going there was what if i have a word that's dynamite or boom on taboo like do i come on like i I have to say something so nothing happened he's a really nice guy and, and i don't i don't know what he's doing now but last uh last time i talked to him he was out in Waco working for an agency yeah. affiliate.
1: Yeah, Fitz, that's like Mr. Belding saying you're not allowed to ask me about Saved by the Belt. Like, you're the uh, boom the di- boom goes the yeah. dynamite guy, and that will be you forever, and you better just learn to accept it, because it's going to be a lot more fun in life if you just own it. Right, Fitz? I, well, <laughs> yeah, and I'm a little absolutely. shook by, like,
2: ra- Raheel's like, oh, dates me. Like, okay, some of us still typed our, you know, papers and, and typewriters in, in high school. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah. okay. So, uh, as I date myself there, Raheel, give us a little bit of a sense, man. We always love having you on to talk all things Houston if you're a Rockets fan today, where's your hope?
3: Your hope is that uh, Rafael Stone, the new GM, is really good at drafting and really mm-hmm. good at evaluating up-and-coming players where you can start building around Steven Silas and his system. That literally is your only hope. Like, there's, you know, I, I, Victor Oladipo is a fantastic player, but I don't think he's going to re-sign here. I don't think they have plans to re-sign him either after – uh, his contract expires at the end of the year, so it, it's all about the rebuild now, and you just hope that they can do something that can get you back into contention.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is what was the best case scenario you were hoping for? Because Rehile, we had you on as as the season was beginning, and it seemed inevitable that Harden would not be long for Houston. Um, but a lot of people said there's no way you get back enough to make it worth getting rid of him, despite him trying to blow up the team from within. How close is this to a, a a good scenario in terms of getting rid of
3: him? You know, getting rid of him. Like when I first saw the trade, I was I was disappointed. It was like it was like Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four to me. Like I know you <laughs> had to do the movie, all right? But it was disappointing. It didn't live up to the hype. And the hype for me, at least, was try to get Karis Levert back because I think based on his game, based on him as a player, I think he could be a guy that you could build around. Like, I really think he just needs more shot attempts. He needs uh, a more of an opportunity and be the go-to guy. And you grow with him. And when Karis LeVert was part of the the, the deal was like, okay, cool. You got Karis LeVert. And then they flipped it for Victor Oladipo. That kind of bummed me out because now you're, you're signaling to the fans that you just want picks. You don't want anything else. You just want to focus on the rebuild.
2: We're talking to Raheel Ramzanali, host of the no layups podcast. Raheel, if you're in Houston tonight and you're pouring a shot because you just need to get through being a sports fan in Houston, what's got you more sort of down in the dumps? Is it this or is it the entire drama around the Texans?
3: Oh, it has to be the Texans, man. It has to be the Texans because being a Houston kid, watching the Texans, um, it's been 17 years like of trying to find a quarterback, trying to find somebody you can build around, right, and and have that franchise quarterback. And there was a nice run with Matt Schaub, and it was great. But we all knew in the back of our uh, minds that he's not the guy. Like, this is just the system, and he's going to eventually age out, and you won't have somebody for the next 10 years. So for the Texans to finally get a guy like Deshaun Watson, uh, for teams like the Bears to pass him up, sorry, I had to throw that in there, um, Uh. it it just felt so good. (laughs) and it, it, It finally felt like they were heading in the right direction. And now the drama around that is bumming me out. When Harden, it's like, look, it, it's going to end. In the NBA, it's going to end. It's so rare that a guy stays the entire career with one team. So uh, I'm hoping the Texan stuff turns around.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping it turns around in the direction of they're so desperate they somehow send Deshaun to Chicago. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. We don't We don't have the pieces for that. Um, the leaders
2: don't play in Chicago. I don't know what you're talking about. You know
1: about. what? That's okay. enough. Um <laughs> I saw you tweeting about the James Harden uh, body before that game against the Lakers last night, and you yeah. said you know it's serious because even the Red Rowdies aren't coming to defend Harden and how this is just a bad angle, which is what we heard early on, right? This is an angle of that shirt that he was yeah. wearing. So the Red Rowdies, was- if you've got the finger on the pulse of that city, there are a ton of people that would have defended Harden no matter what, and there were those that were kind of tired of his aesthetic and his style even while he was still actively participating in the team how many red rowdies flipped during this whole you know working his way out of the city how many of them are sad to see him go
3: i i said it last time uh you know what we got to pour some out for the homies because they lost their guy and they defended him so much and i love nba twitter it's my favorite portion of twitter but it's the worst because you have guys and and gals and fans just caping for these people like for James Harden and you got the Curry backers and the LeBron backers uh so today the Red Rowdies lost James Harden and they are all disappointed they're they're already turning on him they were turning on him during the process but as y'all saw last night like he just went in there and said I'm quitting what are you guys going to do Houston what are you going to do I'm quitting because the talent here sucks Okay, Uh, I don't want any more of this. I've literally done everything, and we're all going like, no, you didn't actually. You still have two more years left. You actually haven't done everything, and they are heartbroken. Uh, To see them realize that James Harden is a quitter, stuff that I've realized a long time ago, it feels great. Like, welcome to the dark side now.
6: Mm.
2: Mm -hmm. So, with that being said, let's look in the crystal ball, five, ten years down uh, down the line. When people look back at this era of James Harden and the Rockets, how will people feel about it?
3: Great offensive player, uh, brought them into the conversation, uh, but he needed help all the time, and he wasn't the lead dog in terms of leadership. He never was. It took Chris Paul to get in there and and, and get in his face and tell him, like, hey, you're doing things wrong. This is how you do it. Uh, It took that. It took Mike D'Antoni to tell him the same thing, like, hey, you know, look, this is not the right way to play. We can do this if you get on board. And then they were hamstring away and all that stuff. But a great offensive player, not not a leader, and, and that's fine. Like, not everyone is a leader. He filled it up, but he just never got you to the promised land. That's how I'll remember it. I think a lot of fans will remember that as well. Um, you know, with time, everyone's going to you know, hopefully soften and not be upset at, at James because he did some great things here, um, but he just never got the job done. And to be considered an elite in your era, you got to get the job done.
1: It's Spain and Fitz. Thanks to Raheel Ramzanali of the No Layups podcast for breaking down more dysfunction in Houston. And until the Texan situation gets somewhat figured out, uh, (laughs) we'll probably be having you back to talk about the latest. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it.
2: Thanks, Raheel.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Raheel Ramzanali. uh, It's ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Uh, He and everybody else in Houston media busy the last couple of days. I mean, I feel like I'm overwhelmed here and all I have is my team deciding to bring back their GM and their coach despite an eight and eight record of six game losings to get in the complete mediocrity that they've suffered for the last couple decades. Coming up, a former front office exec is gonna grade tonight's blockbuster NBA deal. It's next on ESPN Radio.
2: You're
0: listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
2: Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app Sirius XM channel 80 Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz Obviously, the biggest news that everybody's uh, infatuated with right now is coming from the NBA. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and we're going to head straight to the Goodyear hotline to get some breakdown on it. James Harden is now a Brooklyn Net, and whenever these things go down and they're as complicated as this one was, I really do need like a Notes version because a lot of teams involved, a lot of picks involved. It just becomes complicated, so we'll get a little help from ESPN NBA front office insider Bobby Marks. So Bobby, when you've got a a trade like this and you see the other pieces go in, when from a former front office Lance uh, mindset, what was the first thing that stood out to you when you saw everything that went down? Well, I was having flashbacks <laughs> to 2013 when we basically
7: traded away the farm for Kevin Garnett mm-hmm. and Paul Pierce. Uh you know, the Nets uh, certainly took a uh, all-in approach. Um three unprotected first four pick swaps in the next seven years to go get James Harden. And, yeah, that's the cost of doing these type of trades. You know, I, I mentioned earlier in the year how when you go out and get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you just slide them in with cap space. But when you you want to go out and get a, an, an MVP-type player, it costs you basically your debt. And I, and I think that, that costs, you know, certainly Brooklyn dearly. And I, I think the, the big question for me, Jason, now is, like, where are we with Kyrie Irving? Right, like that's going to be kind of the next, you know, thing that gets resolved in. The, I think in the next couple of days here, as far as is Kyrie in or is he out? Um, what's the future going to be w- with him? But yeah, this was a this was a complicated four team trade. Harden make, made forty one million dollars. He had to get thirty three million in salary uh, going out. That's why that's why you saw so many players um, so many players involved.
1: I've seen people on social media seem to imply that Kyrie may not be long for the Nets, that this might be one step in the eventual replacing of Kyrie with Harden. Do you see this trio being here for the long term, or will that entirely depend on the next couple of weeks with Kyrie?
7: Yeah, I think we're going to see something, Sarah, by the end of the week here with, oh, really? uh, with Kyrie. I would, I, I yeah, I, I, I expect, you know, we'll see what happens with the league as far as with their the quarantine protocol here, but I, I think this—I think this situation gets resolved. And I think probably more for the for the better. And I think, I think what resolved doesn't does he'll still be on the that,
1: Nets. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I
7: wasn't yeah. sure if you and meant I mean, that. Yeah. Okay. No. Got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not there yet. <laughs> we're not there yet. But I think what this move does is it shows Kyrie that uh, you know with Sean Marks that general Mandra, hey. You know we're not going to wait around for you, right? Like I, I went out and got James Harden to pair up with with Kevin Durant. You know the train's leaving the station. Are you in or are you out here? And if you know if this is not something that you want to do as far as play basketball, or if you're looking for a different scenery, I don't think we're we're at that that situation right now. We're all going to move move forward here, and we're not going to continue waiting waiting for you. Um, so, um, but they need Kyrie, I think, to you know certainly get to a know, to to get to an NBA finals, you know, their depth has certainly taken a hit here. Um, They've got some spots that they need to to fill. But yeah, that's, that's the, as I said, that's the next big question as far as where is Kyrie's mindset right now? And then does he want to be part of this group?
2: We're talking to Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. But, but, Bobby, I mean, that exact question. I mean, you're talking about a team that, that went out there to get Kyrie to build for this, and now they trade for somebody and James Harden that just signed a deal recently that was supposed to leave his future in Houston. Like, what's the point at this point of having contracts when teams just bend to the will of whatever players want? Yeah. and it, you, I mean, and that's what the, my
7: big thing. I was concerned last night when – Harden did his press conference and basically threw everyone under the bus and and, and said that, that, you know, this locker room is not good enough. Is that how much leverage did Houston have left, you know, with with, uh, with Harden and didn't have him come to practice here? And you're right. I mean, what's to say that, uh, you know, for example, Bradley Beal wakes up tomorrow morning and says, I don't want to be a Washington wizard. And now Bradley Beal becomes the next James Harden. But, Yeah. I mean, usually when you sign these four or five year contracts, you're there for probably at least three years. I mean Harden is the crazy thing is this I I think this is year one of that, you know, of that supermax that he had signed uh in that extension here and he won't see it through, you know, and that's the disappointing part as far as, you know, with with uh you know, what what transpired here but the Rockets got you know some value with you know certainly those draft picks. We don't know where they're going to go. We'll see what happens with Victor Oladipo, who they got in a trade. If they keep him or if they you know decide to to flip him before the, before before the trade deadline.
1: Bobby Marks with us here, ESPN NBA front office insider on Spain and Fitz. Don't forget, subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast to hear anything you missed, including after parties and pre-parties. You mentioned a couple of those auxiliary players. I wonder if you could point out what you find most interesting from the less high-profile moves, whether that's maybe not the draft picks, but of the other players that got moved around, uh, what caught your eye most?
7: Yeah, I like what uh, Sarah I like what Indiana did. Uh, I didn't think Old Depot was going to be back. Uh, he's a free agent uh, this upcoming off season. I think it would have cost them probably uh, double what Karis Levert is, and Karis is at about sixteen million dollars. So I, I, it and he was also asking right other there.
1: other players if he could come join them in the middle of the games. So you know there was a good there was a good sign that maybe he was ready.
7: <laughs> yeah, dude, I might have tipped it off. Right, as far as if
1: he's not going to
7: be there in the, in the future and probably yeah. not probably not signing that $112 million extension that they offered either, right? Like, Hey, I don't think he's going to be here. Maybe we should do something. And yeah. So you get Carris back for those, you know, um, he's he's under contract for three more years, protects them. And I, I'm intrigued as far as what happens in Cleveland. Now, you know, you already have Andre Drummond, he's going to be a free agent. Um, this off season, you get, you get Jared Allen, who's a, a restricted free agent, probably it's the same situation. He'll cost you half of, of what, um, what Drummond will be. And then of course, as I mentioned earlier, Oladipo. You know what's his future in, in Houston? They can trade him starting on March fourth. Does he get flipped before the 25th of March, which is the trade deadline, or are they going to you know play it out? And you know that that's you know you get a player on an expiring contract and you and you want to keep them, then you lose total leverage because um, you usually have to do an overpay on that.
2: All right, Bobby. In 30 seconds or less, in five years, which one of these teams is the most relevant?
7: Houston, I, I think, and I and I think there's so much unknown because of the picks. And I just look at where Harden and Durant are age-wise. You know, they're in the prime of their year, their career, but five years from now, I, I, I don't I don't I don't think that's going going to be the case. And uh, with, with Houston, let's, let's hope those picks turn into something.
2: We appreciate your insight as always, Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. Happy New Year, my friend. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. You too, guys. Thank Thanks, you. Bobby. This is such a complicated issue to try and figure Mm. out. And and Sarah, to the point that Bobby just made, it feels like they leveraged everything for the future to try and go all in right now. And they did it to go all in on a player that in a year may just decide he doesn't want to play for Brooklyn also. And I just that that still sticks in my head is one of the keys to this entire transaction that we won't know the answer to for a long time. But is important to me.
1: Yeah, well, the good news is there will still be countless websites, ESPN included, that will grade the trade now. So it's, it's gonna be great. You're gonna have all the answers you need to the questions that can't yet be answered, even though they can't be answered yet.
2: Hey, I'll take pride in the fact that we're not great at necessarily being hot take artists. We like the more measured takes here. So we'll just come together for Spain and fits in five years, and we'll yeah. review the we'll trade. We'll tell you how we feel about it. Yeah. Uh, one, one of our best, one of our favorite, and one of the best NBA minds we have at the company, we're going to talk to next. He'll give us a little bit of a balance between measured and hot take, because that's what he's great at. David Jacoby will join us next. We'll get all of his thoughts on the mega trade today. It's Spain and fits on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM, Channel 80.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
2: Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We've been doing it all night, and we'll continue to do it, uh, reacting to the mega trade in the NBA. Don't forget, you want to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. We'll get you a little exclusive content tonight. Actually, we'll get you a little oh, yeah. uh, after party. So, uh, gonna get uh, gonna have a little fun after the show. You can only get it if you subscribe to the podcast. So, get out. It will be mostly
1: warty Pig versus Warthog commentary, but we'll get into some other stuff too. A warty
2: Pig still sounds cute and sounds like a <laughs> na- like that's a great mascot name too like i mean Washington still the thinking about,
1: like the fighting Warty Pigs
2: Warty Pigs? I'm all in for that. Uh, We'll get the (laughs) thoughts on Warty Pigs and all things NBA now from David Jacoby. Obviously, you hear him all the time on Jalen and Jacoby. Uh, Jacoby, man, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Warty Pig. Uh, Are are you in on Warty Pigs? Out on Warty Pigs? Do you even know what they are?
4: I feel like they're kind of on the Razorbacks corner a little bit. A little bit. I feel like Warty Pig and Arkansas Razorbacks are kind of like a little, there's a rivalry already budding there.
2: (laughs) Warty Pig just sounds so cute. Okay, so obviously we wanted to have you on to get your thoughts on the huge. Trade that sends James Harden to Brooklyn. So we'll start with the very basics of Brooklyn here. Where do they stand in the East now? To you, that they've acquired Harden.
4: I mean, they've acquired James Harden, but we still have Kyrie Irving, sort of like on Zoom with Cynthia Nixon, not calling (laughs) back the DM or the coach, and Kevin Durant. Basically, I support him, but giving no sort of insight as to one of his good friends and his business partner that he's committed a few years of his career to in his prime like it's just so wild what's happening with the nets but like on paper you've got three of the top 13 guys in the league so who knows sounds like it's gonna work out right
1: oh it sounds like it's either gonna work out or be an absolute disaster the likes of which we've never seen before with just unbelievable content potential what about defensively
4: well, that's, I mean that is the thing I mean, when you look at their roster, I mean like it's it's not sexy to say this, but like Jared Allen was a big piece of what they're doing. They were like basically starting DeAndre Jordan just because he's like friends with Katie and Kyrie. Jared Allen was their true center, their true lob catcher, rim protector, like they're putting so much pressure on DeAndre Jordan, who again is like the seventh sexiest name on the net to talk about, <laughs> but his minutes are gonna double now, and he's not a young man, and they don't really have a true backup center, so when you have the Lopez and Giannis tandem, and you've got you know Embiid coming to town, and you look at these playoff series with anyone aside from the Celtics. There's sort of a true center that they have to go up against, and that could rear its head. And you know they they lose LaVert, who you know I'm watching a lot of death team this year. Like he just looks great, and he looked great in the bubble. He carried this team to the bubble. Then they had a nice little run in Orlando, and like they're losing a lot, and obviously getting a lot in Harden. But we also I can't make I can't make two I cannot make a big enough deal of like. They don't know where Kyrie Irving is. Like, they do not know.
7: <laughs> there's, there's Other, than Other than the Zoom. there a four-day
4: investigation 15-second video. Like, yeah. we've all seen the video. Like, what are we investigating? He was at his sister's birthday party
6: right. without
4: a mask. That there was, there was not – that's breaking the protocol. And he's going to start losing game checks, and we'll see how
2: he reacts to that. Yeah, but that, so then what? I mean, if if you're putting a volatile – like, just being real here for a second, not even throwing shade on all these guys. Kevin Durant has as a reputation – of being soft with the way people react to him right so we got the burner accounts and the perception that he can't handle a lot of criticism he got Harden, who seems to just come in one day and and just decide he doesn't want to be there anymore and then scorches every bridge on the way out of town and Kyrie Irving that may or may not even care about playing basketball anymore like if you're Brooklyn how do you manage all three of those personalities to get them actually on the court at once to play meaningful basketball
4: well, they've, they've got a coach who's got at least, like, six weeks of head coaching experience in the NBA. <laughs> so, you know, there's, you can always rely on that. And then you've got Mike D'Antoni, who literally does not know what defense is. So I guess they're just not planning on playing any of it. <laughs> but, like, when you mention these three personalities, I do want to say, like, the Kevin Durant stuff is, like, it's, it's a lot of burner count, softness, and that, but he's, like, never not shown up first team. Like, on the floor, like, mm-hmm. he's never not given 100%. And I would say up until this season, you could say the same thing for James Harden. I mean, granted, their, the offense in Houston was give Dave Harden the ball and let him do whatever he wants, and apparently he's doing whatever he wants with roster changes and you know in the city of Houston, if you've heard those stories as well. So, like, the, those pieces <laughs> are as concerning in terms of personality pieces. The Kyrie part is, you know, his history is it's off-court stuff, bleeding into encore performance. Not great chemistry stories, you know, at the end of Cleveland, obviously, and in Boston, obviously, and even with the Nets now. So that's the piece that I'm more worried about in terms of translating onto the floor.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, KD's fragility is more in the way people interact with him and how he views criticism. It's not about the basketball part. It's Harden and Kyrie I worry more about consistency-wise and actually the product. What do you make of what the Rockets got back, and did you feel like last night – this was, the, this was the final straw and you couldn't move forward and wait for a better deal? Or do you think they could have gotten a better deal?
4: It's interesting, because if you look at the course of the day, Steven Silas, who is also you know only have about five or six weeks of head coaching experience, but he's been sort of on the bench for years, and He came out and was like, We don't want you here. Like they spent they spent weeks just trying to get him in and after last night he was like, No, 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 no. Like we changed your key card. Like you you can't you can't your parking spot, like we won't let you into the parking lot, that little arm won't go up, like you're not (laughs) welcome here. So that was sort of the end of it today. But there were some reports about the Sixers being involved. And to me, I always felt like if I were the Rockets, Ben Simmons or Ben Simmons Plus. At one point, if my Twitter feed was right, it was like Ben Simmons Plus Maxi, and I love Tyrese Maxey, but that's a different conversation. But I was like, that seems really interesting. That's something a, a young piece that they can build around. But now they end up with Victor Oladipo, who's not a young piece, can't really build around him. His contract is up at the end of the year, so they have to decide whether or not you want whatever the market will, you'll pay whatever the market will pay for him. And then you've got like kind of eight draft picks. It's not called eight draft picks on paper, but you've got the even years you get the picks the 22 24 26 and then you've got these swaps that you can you know if, if they move you up a few spots they will but draft picks are not the asset they used to be especially if they end up outside of the lottery which these very well might so like if there's not too many superstars in the nba that got picked outside the lottery so i, I love what they're doing but they're clearly just sort of raving the entire entire place and basically saying john wall will be here for a couple of years outside of that like we're not committed to much outside of Christian Wood.
2: We're talking to David Jacoby on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. So, all right, it, it, how what does Brooklyn have to actually accomplish over the next couple of years to make this trade worthwhile?
4: Oh, I've got, I've got, I've got a big one for you here. Like, what does Brooklyn <laughs> have to accomplish? I think. No, I do not know Sean Marks. I don't know Mike D'Antoni. I don't know Steve Nash. But if all three of them called my phone on a Zoom call without, with Cynthia Nixon, without. Kyrie Irving and they said what should we do I would say I think you have to trade Kyrie Irving
7: mm-hmm.
4: Like Kyrie Irving's not gonna like. Who do you imagine this basketball play happening where Kyrie Irving or James Harden is dribbling up looks over at Steve Nash gets the call dribbles across half court passes to the left wing and then cuts to the right wing to start like a motion offense like that's just not that's just not what they do like they both just kind of sit there and dribble until something good happens and it generally does but like I don't I think that there were rumors that they were already looking to move Kyrie, and they've made this big move. Like I think it'd be really interesting if you could get somebody for Kyrie that shores up your front court, shores up your defense. And at the beginning of the season, I was looking at the Nets, like this is the deepest team I've ever seen. They've got three point guards and two great centers and wings. They've got wings that they don't even need, but then Dinwiddie goes down. And Lavert's out of town, and even Karutz is gone. And now you've got Allen's gone, and you're watching them tonight against the Knicks, and you're like, Why am I googling players and the Brooklyn Nets right now? Why is that happening in my
1: life? (laughs) I want to ask, though, if you set up that that potential, does Katie agree to that? Even with everything that Kyrie's done lately, as you mentioned, business partner, guy that he decided to team up with and and do this with, is he okay with that?
4: Well, imagine, imagine Katie and you are in this conversation, and Katie's like, "Wow." You're really going to trade Kyrie? And I'm like, okay, well, all right, let's go, through, let's go through his relationship with the Nets. Like, okay, he played for a little bit, got hurt, kind of could have came back, decided not to go to the bubble. Then he wanted to start his own league Let's not forget that part. And then he <laughs> came back and made a couple that. games with you and then disappeared and wouldn't text yeah. you back for a while. And now no one knows why he's gone. And then we have this video of him breaking protocol. So that's my case. I'm all ears for how you're going to tell me why I shouldn't do that.
2: <laughs> all right, well Gobi, if, if, if since you sit across from him, we've got to let you go, but since you sit across from him all the time, if you got to bet Jalen's house on whether or not Brooklyn wins a championship <laughs> in the next few years, what's your bet?
4: Well, he's got like 17 houses. <laughs> matter yeah, which house? Ones. That means he's got one to lose. So, How many years? What's the window here,
2: Jason? In the next five years. We'll give you the next five years.
4: <sighs> yeah, they're doing it. Yeah, because a lot of time this is how these things work is you do the deal, you get the superstars in and then it takes a season or two to build the right supporting players around them. They don't have that right now. But I also look at a team like the Mavs. It's also like started that process as well. Like you get the superstars and you get the big foundational cornerstones and then build the right pieces around them.
2: All right, you guys call can follow him on Twitter. Jalen,
1: right now, <laughs> tell him his house is up at for bid. Jacoby,
2: <laughs> you better be right, man, because I don't want to sit across from somebody and realize I lost their house. That's especially not Jalen. I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, check out Jalen Jacoby I every day. never
4: said that. I'll deny. It. you right now. <laughs> I never know what they're talking about.
2: <laughs> oh, watch Jalen Jacoby on ESPN 2 p.m. Eastern every day, man. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Thanks as always for the time, my friend.
1: Of course, thank you too. Thanks, Jalen.
2: All right, coming up, how much will the Nets regret handing the keys to KD and Kyrie? And Insider weighs in next on ESPN Radio.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: Absolutely wild Wednesday in the sports world, in the world of news everywhere. And we focused on the big story, but, you know, hopefully on Friday, we're off tomorrow, hopefully on Friday. We'll get you some more conversation about everything going down with the Texans. We'll update you on the Packers, who are now dealing with a positive COVID test for the crazy story of Jared Veld here, who's the one who played for the Colts last week and is going to play for the Packers this week. Wild story. We'll get into that. We'll talk to you about the the fact that the Broncos have a new GM. and I mean, there's there's tons to get to. Um, Most importantly, I just found out that Philippines' wordy pigs, uh, the males grow a mohawk during mating season, that the women find appealing, and then they shed them when the mating season's over. So obviously, we'll get into more warty pig content. Uh, but the Harden story is is dominating. We're the just going to
2: bury the fact that now that I'm looking at pictures of warty pigs, I feel like it's about how I felt like I looked by the end of 2020. Like it's, it's not when it's you not when you did
1: not have that that close cut that you have right now. You were starting to get a little warty pig, a little uh, warty pigish. Yeah, piggish. yeah little, I got you. Yeah. You kind of are like a little Pumbaa in a cute little way. Not oh. as much since you lost the 50 pounds, but you used to have a cute little Pumbaa on the front there. That was, <laughs> now, now you're more of a t-boo. Uh It's Spain and Fitz, the 8 and 8 of ESPN Radio. Sarah Spain, <laughs> Jason Fitz. Uh, you can subscribe to us if you don't understand that joke. It's because you missed a show. Why? We don't need any excuses. Just go to the Spain and Fitz podcast on iTunes, the Apple podcast app, the ESPN podcast app, whatever you got to do. Subscribe to the show so you don't miss jokes like that. Uh, Brian Windhorst was on uh, Barton Hahn today, our ESPN NBA reporter. And one of the things he said I found absolutely fascinating. Now, keep in mind that Wendy said this before the Harden trade went through. So this was solely about the drama surrounding Kyrie and about exactly who has the power with the Brooklyn Nets.
6: Their chance of accountability is already gone. They let the guys fire the coach. They let the guys, you know, dictate the roster. They let the guys dictate who's starting. Um, It's gone. I don't think there's coming back from it. I don't know if it's Steve Nash's fault or not. I would say that Steve Nash taking the job was a stunner to me on so many levels. And I can only imagine the, um, the the way that he wrestled with taking that job because he could have waited for another 20 years and not had an opportunity to take over the type of team so like i kind of get it but i don't think in the current incarnation it's salvageable to all of a sudden introduce accountability i mean they can try they could fine him for this behavior they could try some disciplinary action they could say they're going to turn over a new lease but when they signed those two guys they yielded control of the franchise and they could come on to the show and pound the table and say that's not true, but that's the actions speak louder than words.
1: So Fitz, all of that is about just Kyrie and KD. Now the Kyrie part of that is even more up in the air than ever before today. But you're now adding in James Harden, and all we heard about at the beginning of this season was just how much James Harden had taken over that team and gotten them to abide by when he wanted to practice and when he would tell them, I'm going to go to the club. I'm not going to be there on this day. And when he would demand someone be traded, how are you going to manage or not manage, if that may be the case, three guys that seem to believe that they're the ones in charge, not a coach or a GM or an owner?
2: And that's the hardest part about it is that, you know, to Wendy's point, again, pre-trade was that the locker room's already been lost. And you look at some of the things that have been said by Kyrie like you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube right like you can't undo what he's already said about uh, about Nash and, and the coaching the fact that they don't need a coach, right? So now you bring somebody in that likes a particular way of having offense run and likes the everything to your point for practices to be done at particular times, likes a particular amount of freedom, right? He's got all of these expectations and he's coming to a locker room where there's absolutely no reason to respect the coach because he's already been so disrespected publicly and there's been no recourse uh, to any of the actions that Kyrie's taken. So how are you suddenly going to ask Harden to play by the rules when Kyrie's doing whatever he wants, whenever he, Wants. I mean, I don't know how you fix that culturally within the the course of a season that's already so strange and on top of that everybody's dealing with I don't know a global pandemic so you put all of these pieces together I'm not sure what actually gets them on track to having any respect behind the scenes in the locker room at practice and how you don't end up feeling like at some point the players are running the organization and if that's the case who's going to align them when the players no longer align on how they want day in and day out things to be run it just feels like we're watching a scenario that is going to blow up in a big and loud and awful way.
1: There are very few situations in life and in work where it makes sense to not have a leader, even if that leader is open to input and flexible and willing to hear everybody else in the group and how they want things to operate. There still needs to be that guiding voice that is some sort of decider of the movement and decisions that you're going to make when there is discord amongst the ranks. More so probably than in anything sports, because while it is a meritocracy and you're most likely able to see whether you've earned that chunk of minutes or that final shot or that defensive assignment, sometimes that's hard to see from your own perspective. There needs to be somebody else or several other people who can be unbiased in their way of saying this is not this is not your team. This is not your assignment. This is not your moment. And this was already Going to be a problem based on that podcast we heard, and I, mean, I know Kyrie walked it back. But you have two superstars that have taken over, fired the coach, and are saying we don't need one. Now you add a third in there who's known for wanting things to go his way. And to your point, which is a great one, what happens when those three pieces aren't aligned? Then who's in charge? How do things go? And do you suddenly, if you if you want Steve Nash on your side and he agrees with you, do you suddenly try to act like he's the one in charge to get those other two guys? <laughs> to your side of the, right? I mean, it, it feels like a recipe for disaster. And I'm, I don't know why. I mean, this is like a very, uh, Chicago thing to say about New York, but I'm also picturing, you know, in Brooklyn and New York, the, the, the built-in excuse of just traffic everywhere, things getting in your way, people getting in your way, not be like the, of James just always being late. I just, I'm picturing already of James always being late and, and, I said on, on, on Twitter, I feel bad for Kevin Durant, and I know he's in on this, and these are his guys. My point is, months from now, how much is he going to want to work with? <laughs> As I said, you know, mister, you can find me at the club. Mister, practice starts when I want it to. Mister, I don't show up and I forget how to basketball in elimination games. And then, mister, I might be uh, out for personal reasons that I might have just fallen off of flat earth.
2: Well, and, and take another step into it for every sport. How often do we hear guys after championships say, and, and whether it's immediately after years later, what was what was it about that year? And you hear them say, oh, the locker room was just special. Like we mm-hmm. had a different bond and everybody mm-hmm. came together and we were all for one. And you hear that years after a Super Bowl, or years after an NBA title, they talk about that special moment, that special season. And so many great athletes have talked about how certain years you just know you have it because you have that camaraderie behind the scenes. Like there's none of that already ready in Brooklyn and now you're bringing in somebody that has been known in the past to be let's say divisive in the way uh, that he wants things run and in what it's like to play with him and you're asking him to be the thing that brings everybody together I I just I have a hard time seeing that it takes such a sacrifice of ego when you've got as many great players and that's one of the things I think we underappreciated about Golden State for years like sacrifice of ego is not an easy thing to do which one of these three stars is going to sacrifice for the first time the answer D none of the above 12.
1: yeah we don't know we know Kyrie didn't love being second fiddle to leBron I mean, he's third fiddle here right yeah, um clearly you know and and talent wise listen we've we've seen what he can do so i don't i don't mean that as, a, as at his talent but in terms of First choice in terms of who's going to dominate the ball, in terms of who could take over. Um, you know, you're looking to those two other guys, too. Uh, it's going to be wild to watch. Uh, it is great for content. It is great for the gas bags like us to talk about. Uh, will it be great for the Nets yet to be seen? Will it be great for the Rockets? It's going to take a couple of years to find out. Um, Freddie Fitzsimmons gonna tell you who the real winners were in the James Harden trade. They're gonna examine that. Also, KJ and Z tomorrow morning, of course, gonna have continuing coverage of tonight's Blockbuster Deal. Excited to hear what Jay Will has to say about this. That starts at six a.m. Eastern tomorrow.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: Welcome into the Spain and Fitz after party. We wanna do these more than we have been, but there's just been a, there's been a lot going on. We've been really busy. The world has been busy. Uh, But we're going to try to get back to doing more of these. And I wanted to do one tonight for two reasons. Number one, I did not have enough time during the show today, Fitz, to really get into the warty pig story. But I wanted to explain it to you quickly, since I kept bringing it back throughout the show, because this is pretty amazing. They found a painting on a cave wall from 45,500 years ago. How they know that, first of all, is a miracle of science. I don't even begin to understand the most molecular and small of the parts of this story. But after they figure out that it's 45,500 years old, they have announced that it is the oldest depiction of an animal. They can tell by the details in it that it is a warty pig, and it appears to be observing a fight or social interaction between two other warty pigs. I mean, it's wild that they can even find this, that they can date it, and that there were humans 45,500 years ago creating art on cave walls and... Uh I, I'm like fascinated by nerdy things like this.
2: So a couple of things here. Number one, 45,500 years old. Like, what about the guy at the theme park that's always, uh, let me guess your age. I'll get it within five <laughs> years. That's never right. So that guy needs more training. Number two, I'm just thinking about, you know, a, a, a quick story here, Sarah, back in, I think it was sixth grade. I was taking a, a you know, I was at Juilliard at the time. But I was also taking regular I was going to regular school, regular high school or middle school, and I had to take a music class and we had these uh, projects on composers and had to color in the the like composer art for the cover of the projects. I got a C in that <laughs> music class and my mom went in very angry that I would gotten a C in music while I'm already a Juilliard and the teacher showed the drawings like the, the coloring. And I, I did not color in the lines and thought that I was just she thought that I was being disrespectful to her class. Why? I got to see. Fun fact. I just can't color in the lines. So it's uh, still wait, to wait, this wait. day. You like, can't. I, I'm, not, I'm not good at it. Like it, I have to really slow what down. What if you're I don't know, really
1: like, patient? It,
2: it, uh, it takes me a very like when when most kids are like, oh, let's paint Easter eggs. I'll do 10 and, and it'll take no time. I'm an hour in and it's meticulous. Like that's the way my brain so works. So your yeah.
1: artistic creativity is mostly musical.
2: Yeah, and it's very even. That is very meticulous. Like everything's accuracy oriented. So if I get a coloring book now and I just have the slightest line I don't like, I'll just throw the whole damn thing away. So oh well, I'm like, like that
1: too. I'm a perfectionist yeah. like that. Oh, you know, I used to rewrite my college notes in class in color coordinated, and if I messed up, I would start over.
2: See, I, I appreciate that about Massive you, and that's nerd. why I'm just wondering like what it would be like if somebody found one of my drawings forty five thousand five hundred <laughs> years from now. They'd be like. Is that, a, is that a donut or is that a, 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 a James Harden? I don't know what it is at this point. So, uh, well, is, also,
1: you know, what would you do if you were doing your art on a cave? Like, you can't throw away a cave like you do a piece of paper. Like, yeah, what no if idea. you lived 45,500 years ago and your warty pig was not up to snuff? Like, you've now ruined a cave wall with your C-quality warty pig.
2: Oh, my God. And it would take, like, seven years. I've come out of the cave <laughs> seven years later. You'd walk in and you'd be like, not great, not great. Yeah. I
1: I can't believe it took you that long. Speaking of <laughs> love, long time, I was unaware that the abstract art, oldest uh, known, found in Africa, dates 77,000 years ago. <laughs> I
2: mean, like, Good Lord, really?
1: I need to study more history and I science. also think that somebody's just, just like,
2: like, that is 77,000 years <laughs> you know? old. And like the one like, person at a party that you're like, no. it's got to be right. Yeah, it's got to like, be right.
1: Who's going to tell me no? If I tell you this is seventy seven thousand years ago, who's telling me no? Yeah, I'm, um, anyway, I'm saying
2: yes, just, and then I'm saying, by the way, you're on my trivial pursuit team next right. time because you're obviously <laughs> too smart for your own good.
1: Exactly. Um so wordy pig content, um, it's gonna come back because I'm now obsessed with them, especially the fact that they just grow mohawks in order to get the chicks. And then once they're done mating, they like shed the hair. Like that's baller. I like that. Uh but I also want to talk to you about um, you know, we've spent a lot of time. Uh, Since August, as we're trying to get through this pandemic and figure out, you know, what we can do, whether it's drive in concerts or I went to like an outdoor comedy show, right, trying to find ways to still have some sort of social life. Well, I offer up to you, if you'd like to join mine or have your own, the important cinematic achievement that is the Lifetime movie salt and Pepper* premieres Saturday, January 23rd. My friend and I happened to rap salt and pepper at my wedding. What a man. And my husband and I rapped shoop at our wedding with a backing band. So we are a salt and pepper family. Uh, oh. And we are having a Zoom watch party with themed drinks, salt rimmed margaritas, stuffed Peppas, salted caramel cookies, etc. Potentially some brightly colored wind bakers, potentially some salt and pepper themed leather jackets. Uh, and this is all going down January 23rd if you want in.
2: Uh, Yeah, A I want in. B I you know me and my little Funko pops. Like I always have these. (laughs) It wasn't that long ago that I saw Salt and Pepper Funkos, and I was like, "Yep, ordering those like immediately." Yeah, they're they're iconic. Come on. So, question: Is this a movie about Salt and Pepper or starring Salt and Pepper?
1: It is a movie about Salt and Pepper and produced by Salt and Pepper. It according to the website details the journey of Queensborough Community College students Cheryl Salt James and Sandra Peppa Denton as they enter the world of rap and hip-hop after recording a song for their friend Herbie Azor. Salt and Peppa made a huge impact as one of the first all-female rap groups changing the look of hip-hop and being unafraid to talk about sex, baby, and share their thoughts on men. The movie follows the group as they become the first female rap act to go platinum and experience groundbreaking success.
2: I mean, this is, uh, yes. Uh, and by the way, I've seen them even recently in the last few years. I've seen him a couple of times. Like, I'm all in on this. So who, like, who gets the responsibility of playing? I can only imagine the if pressure. you're in a biopic that's being direct- directed. Biopic, bi-
1: but yeah.
2: A biopic. Yeah, that would make yeah. more sense in biopic. It's all right. A lot you know? of people
1: say biopic. It sounds like wow. biopic, but it's biopic. Well, all right.
2: If you're in a biopic that's being yeah. directed by them. It's about their lives, and you have to play them. Like I would only imagine that the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm like, nope, 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 that is not right. That's not the way it was done.
1: So much pressure, and uh, I do not recognize any of the people, which I think makes sense since it's a Lifetime movie. I don't know that they're getting uh, the super big stars to play them. Uh, It is Gigi Townsend as Salt, Layla Odom as Peppa, Cleveland Berto as Herbie Azor, Jermel Howard as Stretch, and Monique Paul as Spinderella. Kick it up one time. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty pumped about this. If you would like to put on, I mean, I know how you and Sonny get down. If you would like to put on a gold chain, a leotard, a, a, a brightly colored windbreaker and kick it with us on the Zoom, you let me know.
2: Full costume that that yes. is a done and Not done. Not required,
1: but uh, encouraged. I mean,
2: and by the <laughs> way, like Layla Odom, I went to her IMDb page. and One of her other uh, movies is the Bobby DeBarge story. So it sounds Ooh. like she's really getting she's in found her on wheelhouse. the like she's found her niche at this point. <laughs> she's, C- congratulations she has to you, Layla.
1: Her niche. Uh, anyway, if you guys are in on this Salt and Pepper Lifetime movie, let me know your plans. Maybe we could share photos. Maybe we could even, you know. Hop, skip over to each other's Zooms. If anyone else is in on this, and what the hell else do you have to do? You're not allowed to leave your house. Uh, Hit us up. It's Spain and Fitz. Thanks for listening to the After Party.
0: Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.